Lord leads, I'll deal with it on and off. And, uh, and the Lord's been helping me with it, and I hope He's been helping you. We looked last week out of these verses uh, in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It's what we saw last week, and we dealt with pulling down those strongholds on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and dealing with temptation, the warfare of the mind, as far as temptation is concerned. There's warfare in your mind. It's the battlefield. It's what the devil's after. And uh, he has set up a pretty ingenious system because He's got it to where we consume media all the time. And uh, we're constantly putting in our minds things that ought not be there. And uh, it creates a battlefield. I want us to read verse 5 tonight. Well, we'll read, we'll read verse 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Uh, the Bible said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now that's defensive. Uh, there's a certain amount of defense you've got to play with your mind. I pointed out last week how you've got to recognize when the devil's lying to you. Call the lie for what it is. Pull it down, that stronghold, and then you replace it with the truth of the Word of God. That's how you handle temptation in the mind. Verse 5 deals with more of a offensive kind of mindset. Look what it said. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. My goodness, what a verse. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd help us tonight as we preach your word. I believe you've stirred our heart about these thoughts. God, I pray that you'd touch our people. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd give us some attentive ears. And I know sometimes on Sunday evening, Lord, it's easy for our minds to wander. No doubt the devil uh, and the flesh will encourage minds to wander tonight. But I pray, Lord, that you'd help folk, people to focus on the Word of God We'll thank you for all that you do because we love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want us to deal a little bit tonight uh, with this offensive kind of mindset. Now, we've torn down the lies. We've dealt with the temptation. We've got our shields up. We've learned how to fend off some of those temptations that the devil would bring in our mind. But wouldn't it be good if we could go on the offensive and start taking back some ground inside of our mind and dealing with how we think? Now, I don't know about you tonight, but in my head, I have a lot of thoughts that at times are hard to be captured. You see what the Bible said? The Bible said there that and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I read this week and they say that on average, a person has 700 intrusive thoughts every week. And that is thoughts that come into your mind that you don't even want to think. 
they just, they, they just, they just flood in your mind 700 times. I think I said a week, but it's a day. 700 times a day. You have an intrusive thought. You think about something that you don't want to think about. Now, if you think about whatever that is for 14 seconds, that means two and a half hours every day you're thinking about something that you don't even want to think about. It's just running into your mind. It's just flooded into your mind. It might be sin. It might not be sin. It may be something off the wall. Have you ever just thought about something off the wall? And you think, what? why in the world am I thinking about that? Maybe I'm the only one, but in my, my, my mind is bouncing around a lot of thoughts. Amen. A lot of empty space up there. And uh, the, so there's a lot of thoughts bouncing around. And uh, probably tonight, there's some of you right now that are battling to keep your thoughts in this service. Your thoughts are bouncing outside these walls. And uh, I don't, hey, how many of y'all uh, on, my su- on my morning Bible reading is when it's the worst? I'll be reading my Bible. I- I'm reading it, but I'm thinking about something else. Tell me I'm not the only one. And then I'll read, I'll read a half a chapter and I'll think, I don't, I don't remember anything. I, I, my eyes were reading the words, but my mind was thinking about something else. It happens at church all the time. Come in and sit down. I'm going to pay attention to the preacher. I, I believe God's got some life-changing truth for me. I'm going to take it in. But about... Five seconds into the service, immediately your mind starts thinking about what you're going to have for supper. Your mind starts thinking about work tomorrow. You've got a thousand thoughts bouncing around inside your head. And uh, it's hard to bring those thoughts captive. Uh, But it's not impossible. We can control our thinking. Uh, We can get a hold of the way that we think. Uh, uh, Let me say this to you tonight. Often I convince myself of things in my head uh, that I should not convince myself of. Uh, Anybody else with me? Uh, uh, Would you agree tonight? Uh, uh, If we can teach a dog to see it, roll over and play down, certainly we can teach your mind, amen, to think in the right way and bring thoughts captive. Now the devil, I'll say this, and I want him to hear me, the devil can't defeat you. If you're saved by the grace of God, greater is he that is in you than that he that is in the world. But... If he can convince you that you're defeated, it's just the same as defeating you. If he can make you think, if he can make you think you're defeated, it's just the same as defeating you. So that's what I want to deal with for a little while tonight. Now, I'm going to give you some truths tonight. Some of it will be hard to swallow. I'm going to call some of y'all's names. Well, I got everybody's attention then, didn't I? Ha ha. See, I'm going to start throwing stuff like that in the message to get your mind outside of the building. What did he say? Go call my name. Oh, I better pay attention. I want to talk to you about three, three simple things. 
about how that you think. We'll get done. We'll go out back and let Wilma go down the slide. Let me give you three things. Number one, I want you to think about the perceptions that hold you back. Look at this verse. The verse says, casting down imaginations. And so in our mind is all this stuff that we imagine. Now, I always have had a very active imagination. Can I be honest? I'm 46 years old, and at times I still pretend stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm not out there running a car around going, but, well, not so as anybody know. But occasionally I do still, I got to pretend in my mind a little bit. It's imaginations. And imaginations when you're, you know, Asher's age and he's carrying his gun around with his police hat on. That's cute. See, I called somebody's name, I told you. That's cute. But as an adult, our imaginations a lot of times get in our way. Because we imagine things that aren't real. And so, Paul said if we're going to get a hold of our thoughts, we've got to cast down our imaginations. Now, let me say this about casting down our imaginations. Science would call it a cognitive bias. That is, when you've got your mind made up about something, it ends up that you view everything through that lens, and so it seems true. Let me give you, for instance, if you've believed the lie, we talked about the lies last week, if you've believed the lie that nothing good ever happens to you, that's a lie. But if you believe it, suddenly all you see in life are the bad things that are happening to you. And that seems to validate what you believe. You believe everything's bad, and all you see is the bad, and so that just validates the fact that only bad things happen to you, and all of that's a trick of the mind. It's not even real. It's an imagination. Think about this. Maybe you've believed the lie, I never have enough. And suddenly it seems like you're always coming short. And it's because that's all you see in life. It's called a perception. And those things, we have predetermined the outcome. We've already made up our mind how something's going to happen or how something's going to take place. It's an imagination. We've already settled it in our mind. And Paul said we've got to we got to cast those imaginations down. It doesn't, it, that's not what you think. It's not how you think it's going to be. It doesn't have to be that way. That's all in your head. But the devil wants you to believe it in your imagination. So there is perceptions that hold you back. If you believe that you can't do something, what happens? You can't do it. If you believe you can do something, that don't necessarily mean you can. I can believe I can fly and I still can't fly. But I certainly can if I don't believe I can. A lot of times it's perception. So there's these perceptions or these imaginations that hold us back. But then there's the past that holds us up. 
What do you mean? Well, these imaginations, you know where a lot of them come from? <laughs> In the past. We're thinking, Brother Marvin, about how things have been before. And we color everything in our life right now by what has happened in our past. Every circumstance that comes up, we gauge it by something that happened back yonder. Some of y'all live in the past. Independent Baptists are the absolute worst. We live in the past. In a lot of independent Baptist churches tonight, they're still living in Billy Kelly, Mays Jackson, I love those men, but they're dead and gone. You can't live in them days. They're gone. But we live and relive the past. Uh, and a lot, and there's some of you that have got hurts in your past. Scars from the past. Things that happened to you in the past. And they become the imaginations of the present. And it's holding you up. Now, somebody has said, there's nothing I can do about the past. That's a lie. There's one thing you can do about it. Yeah, change the way you think about it. You can, you can rewrite your past by changing the way you perceive it. Instead of looking for the collateral damage of hurts, why don't you look for how God helped you through them hard times? When Rachel and I were at the Christian school, there's some preachers that ought to be called on the floor and given account for why they turned an 18-year-old kid loose as a principal of a Christian school, but they did it, and I was happy to take it. We didn't know what we were doing, and we got in way over our head, and we learned real quick that if you deal with people's youngins, that's a good way to make everybody mad. And... Things happened during that time in our life that led to, I'll just be honest, a lot of hurt. That's a hurt time in our life. And used to, when you would bring it up, we would be hurt over it. And we perceived, Summer, a lot of things that would happen to us in the ministry based on what had happened to us back yonder. And that wasn't fair. But when we decided to think about it differently, You know what I can see coming out of all that mess is a lot of good. I learned to lean on God in ways that I'd never learned to lean on God. I got insights on people in ways that I never had insights on people. I got discernment on talk. I can talk to somebody and tell if they're mad. I can tell if somebody's mad from a mile away. I've seen enough mad people. I got, hey, I'm an expert on identifying when something's wrong with somebody. I learned all of that during that experience. You say, you know what else? I, these younger preacher boys, I've got a little more, I got a little more patience with them because I know what I went through and how I acted and how I came up short. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? You see, there was a lot of good that come out of that if I just look for it. That's the thing with your past. You've got hurt places. You've got hard places. But if you look, there's good things that came out of that. The grace of God was in that thing. It's all in how you look at it. Just telling my dad, and this morning, I've been watching a documentary on Vietnam just because I am that old. I, I'm to the age where documentaries and Andy Griffith, that's about all it. 
is ever on my TV. I've been watching this documentary on Vietnam and started, you know, coming through it in 1965. And I'm just now getting to 67, 68 when my dad was there. And I told him, I said, man, I got some questions. I, I didn't realize the Mekong was way down south like that. And I didn't understand about all that Tet Offensive. I got a lot of things I want to ask him about that. And you know, Vietnam was terrible for my dad. But I've heard him say about the boys he met and the friends that he had and the experiences he had, those good things came out of it, see. And that's true of just about any experience in your life. If you look back on it in the right way, now you can look for all the bad. If all he ever thought about was the bad out of Vietnam, then that's all he'd ever see. You can just look for the bad. And boy, we've all got bad experiences in our past. Every last one of us. But you can look at them all, those experiences and go, let's look for the good in that. And change your perception on the way you look at your past. And it'll change your perception of your present. I heard a preacher. People get to a certain age, and all of a sudden, I told Monica, I said I had an epiphany yesterday. All of a sudden, all they can talk about is the fact that they're old, the fact that their days are hastening on. I call no names, I'm trying, I'm trying to be good. Days are hastening on, hastening on. You get to a certain age, and that's what you talk about all the time. Our, our preachers get up, and their favorite verse to quote is, Life is but a vapor. And I understand all that's in the Bible and all that's true, but if you're not careful, you'll start living your life as though your days are spent. Think about that. You'll start living your life in the past. What about now? God's left you on this planet for now. You can talk about 10 years, 15 years ago. I can lay on the couch and get to thinking about the fact that I'll soon be 50. And really, it's not that soon. It's four years away. I mean, we'll have another president when I'm 50, Lord willing. But anyway, we lay it on the couch. I lay on the couch. I get to thinking about being 50. When I get up, I'm, I'm walking like this. Because it's in my mind. I don't feel that bad. But I get to thinking about it, studying on it. I start living my life as though my days were spent. And some of you are too. That's an imagination that needs to be cast down. When Caleb was 85 years old, he walked up to Moses and he pointed at that mountain and he said, give me that mountain. I may be 85 years old, but my strength is still strong. My desire is still real. God has left me on this planet for a reason. I've got something I want to do. I've got goals I want to meet. I'm not going to live my life in the past as if I've got one foot in the grave. God's got me here for a reason and I'm going to live it to its fullest. That ought to be everybody's attitude. The devil wants you to get old and think about nothing but being old. I ran into Alan Barker yesterday. Brother Alan's I don't know, I guess he's pushing mid-70s, 
maybe even close to 80 years old. He's still going down to the jail every day and preaching at the jail. He's preaching revival somewhere every night of his life. And y'all know Brother Allen. I need to get him back up one Sunday. You know how Brother Allen comes in? Hey, hey there, brother. Hey there, brother. And I tell him, I tell him what I tell him every time I see him. I say, I won't be Alan Barker when I grow up. Because he's still going and preaching and he's still a blessing. He still preaches good. It's not a bunch of, you know, how a lot of times old preachers just get to rambling and story after story and ramble after ramble. It's, he's still preaching the Bible. That's how I want to think about life. And believe it or not, that's an imagination of the brain. So there's the perceptions that holds you back. There's the past that holds you up. But then lastly, there's the power that helps you out. It's really where I want to dwell tonight. Pretty much the rest of that is the introduction. Look at the bottom of this. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want to say something about what happens to us. There's very little that happens to you that you can stop. Some of it. Some people are hard on themselves. They have a hard life because they're stupid. And they keep doing stupid things. And that makes their life hard. And if you're going to be stupid, you've got to be tough. Amen. But a lot of what happens in your life, you can't help it. Circumstances of life, nothing you can do about it. It just happens. Hard things happen to people. Bad things happen to people. We're all going to have something bad happen in our life. We can't do anything about it. But it does not mean we're powerless. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, number one, there's a power to respond. I can't help what happens tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't help it, but there's one thing I can do something about. I can respond appropriately. You know the word responsible, that means being able to respond. And so when I, when I face a situation tomorrow or the next day, I can't help it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The only thing that I know that I can help is I can rework the way I think about it and I can determine in my heart that I'm going to respond appropriately. Now, I can fly off the handle, uh, respond emotionally, uh, yell, scream, turn things over, cry and cuss, uh, and that's one way I can handle it. Uh, or I can make up my mind that I'm going to handle it in a way that honors Christ I'm going to handle it in a way that brings glory to God. That's all within my power and my ability to do that. I've got to make up my mind to do it. That is bringing into obedience every thought and to the obedience of Christ. That is having the mind of Christ. Everybody in here is responsible for how they're going to respond. You can decide how you respond. But really, right here is what I wanted to dwell on. You have a power to respond, but then you have power to reframe. Now, here it is. Y'all with me? Give me five minutes right here and I'll help you. We talked about replacing the lie. That's the first message. We talked about rewiring the brain. 
That was the second message, right? Here's our third one. Reframing our thoughts. Paul was a master at it. Absolute master at it. He was a master at reframing the way that he thought. Here's what Paul wanted to do. Paul wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel. Well, he went, didn't he? But he went as a prisoner of Nero and was locked up in a, in a prison between two guards. And so he writes the book of Philippians from that prison jailhouse. And you would have thought that Paul would have said, what has happened to me down here is terrible. Y'all ain't going to believe the trouble I'm in. Boy, I've had a hard time. I'm chained to these guards and I, I, I can't get out. And I really thought God was going to bring me to Rome to hold some revivals, but I can't even leave this prison. I tell you, y'all better pray for me. I'm about to lose my mind down here. I've done cussed out three guards. I, I've I'm, I'm got a file hid. I'm trying to break free. Would y'all pray I could file through these handcuffs? This is terrible. But here's what Paul said. He told that church at Philippi, he said, I want you to know one thing. He said, all this that's befallen me has worked out to the furtherance of the gospel. (laughs) That's how he looked at it. Instead of looking at, oh, I got to be chained between these two guards and every three hours I get two new old rough, tumble, cussing guards. No, Paul said, what a mission field. I got two fellas here chained to me. They can't get away from me. I'll just preach to them. And every three hours they bust two more in here. What a blessing. Every three or four hours here comes somebody else to preach to it. They all need preaching. And they handcuff them to me. They can't run away. I've got it made down here. He said, all of this has fell out to the furtherance of the gospel. You know what that is? That's all the way Paul looked at it. It's that simple. I don't, if you're waiting for something deeper, there's nothing deeper. It's all the way he looked at it. He could have looked at it and said, this is terrible. And I'll be honest, that's probably how I'd looked at it. I don't want to go to prison, do you? Paul got down there in prison. He said, well, I don't know what God's doing, but that's okay. Think about him over there in the Philippian jail. He's, he doesn't been beat half to death. And he said, let's sing a little. You know why? Because he was a master at controlling his mind. Free your mind, free your life. Unshackle your mind, unshackle your life. The devil shackles you in your mind. Once you learn to open that thing up and free it and not think the way he tells you you've got to think and you start seeing God in every circumstance and you start believing God and reframing the way you think, suddenly you become freer than you've ever been and the devil can't hold you down. And you, like Paul, can say, I've learned in all whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Another good example of it, Brother Nils, Joseph. Joseph was forsaken by his brethren. Joseph was lied upon at Potiphar's house. Joseph was forgotten by the butler. He could have written a, he could have written a letter from the prison and said, Oh, Daddy, what a terrible thing. Or maybe when he saw them brothers, he could have said, here's my chance to get even with every one of this bunch. 
That's to be honest with you, it's probably, that's probably what I'd have done. I'm just being honest. I'd have probably punched every one of them boys in the nose, except maybe Benjamin. You know, he didn't really have anything to do with it. The rest of them, I'd probably give them a knuckle sandwich. Done me that way, left me for dead. I'd done been in the prison. But you know what he did? He looked at them boys and he said, y'all meant this for evil, but guess what? God meant it for good. And that's all in the way he looked at it. It was completely in the power of his mind. You say, I can't do that, preacher. But you can. God's no respecter of persons. Every person that God ever put on this planet, he endowed with this ability. Every person that's saved has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They have the ability to reframe, to pull down imagine, or pull down lies, cast out imaginations, reframe their thoughts and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and think with the mind of Christ. Every last one of you has the power to do it. You'll have to decide to though. If all you ever look at is a negative life, the negative in life's all you ever see. I'm going to say this one last thing, and ain't but a couple of them here tonight. Law enforcement officers are the absolute worst. I thought it was independent Baptist preachers, law enforcement officers, lots worse. Everything's bad. I mean, they can, they can bring them don't you can bring them donuts, and they'll walk in there and go, "Where'd them come from?" Oh, so-and-so brought him. Oh, yeah, I know about that person. <laughs> it's like being cynical comes to the job, and it, it does over the years. Some of y'all in that same shape. I, I imagine the healthcare field probably does that. Shoot, I, I imagine working at a parts store, dealing with the public. Whatever, you deal with people. You got all these things that weigh on you. They got stresses of dealing with that. And if you're not careful, you become cynical and you become bitter and you become ill and you start seeing the worst in everybody and you start seeing the worst in every situation. And that's your decision to make. If you want to live that life, live it. But it's miserable. That's miserable. You ever met somebody that's just somebody put their knob on mad and pulled the knob off? That's mad all the time. Everything that happens. It's ill. Never happy. It seems to run in families. I know families, the whole family's mad. I mean, grandmama, grand, granddaddy, grandmama, aunts, uncles, cousins, every one of them that you meet, they're just all mad. They're all me. Come on now. What good is living life like that? Is there any joy in living that way? Why not decide in your mind that you're going to cast down those imaginations, bring into captivity every thought under the obedience of Christ, start living for God with a smile on your face, with a smile on your face. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach tonight. Much as I know how, just been obedient what you'd have for us to deal with. Lord, there's a few old fogies in here tonight that needs to reframe the way they think about being old. Lord, there's a few grumpy folks in here tonight that need to reframe the way they think about being grumpy. 
There's a few folks with hurt in their past that need to reframe the way they think about their past. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to win this battle of the mind. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder who'd just be honest, be the first one to be honest and say, Preacher, you're right, my mind still giving me a fit. I'd love to go on the offensive. I'd love to have a more positive outlook. Maybe, maybe I'd love to not think about being old so much and start having a better outlook about life. Whatever, it, whatever the case may be, say, Preacher, I'd like to come that altar tonight and talk to the Lord about it. I know it's not been high like it was this morning, but God will help you if you'll come.